Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Happy Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew. I like to talk health and well-being, Mondays and Thursdays. If you are new, you're most welcome. If you're a returning listener, you're equally welcome. Thank you so much for your support. And if you're enjoying the podcast series, please give us a thumbs up. Yes, subscribe, like and share. And if you have a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds even, do give the podcast a positive review. It helps us out immensely and it helps us to get into the ears of more listeners just like yourself. Mo Gaudat has written a thought-provoking book about happiness. He's an engineer by trade and uses his background to create a mathematical equation to help us achieve happiness, hence the book's title, Solve for Happy. The book was prompted by the death of his son, which left him deep in grief and misery. Prior to his passing, Mo was admittedly success and wealth-driven, neither of which fulfilled him or made him happy. In fact, he was unable to experience joy at all. He became angry, unpleasant to be around, constantly trying to control everything and everyone around him. He then used his own son's death to evaluate his own life and relationship with happiness. Happiness, according to the author, shouldn't be something that you wait for, but something that is earned. And it should not depend on external conditions, like a career and success or financial worth, because these things can be fleeting and fickle. In the book, he comes up with a replicable model for happiness. Happiness is surrounded by myths. Much of our understanding of it is actually distorted. Happiness is that glorious feeling that everything seems right and agreeable, and we want it to last. But the truth is, we are looking for it in the wrong places. He uses the analogy of searching high and low looking for your keys when you suddenly realise they've been in your pocket all along. In other words, we are actually born happy. It's a default state. Look at any toddler and most of the time they are happy. It's you who does the changing of your default setting away from happiness. And this happens because of societal pressures, expectations and belief systems. While we may not be able to reset our settings, we can unlearn and retrain ourselves such that we experience happiness more often. At his lowest point after his son's death, Mo kept a happy list. He documented every instance when he felt happy. This helped him foster an attitude of gratitude and allowed him to acknowledge that there was plenty to be happy about after all. So if the triggers for happiness are so simple, why do we struggle to find happiness? It comes down to how we think. If you perceive events as equal to or greater than your expectations, you will be happy. So it's the thought and not the actual real-world event that makes you happy. In life, we experience pain. Pain has its survival purposes, but once we experience pain, we then heal. Unless we choose to replay the pain and indulge in suffering, which has no purpose at all. Suffering equals brooding, and this makes us miserable, and this is needless. But this is a choice of ours. You aren't supposed to suffer. Like suffering is a choice, well, so is the choice to be happy. So happiness depends on how we control our thoughts. If you allow your thoughts to be affected by illusions, you'll find yourself in a state of confusion. If you think negative thoughts, you will suffer unhappiness. But if you think positive thoughts, you will reach a state of happiness. 
Keeping our negative thoughts alive is part of our human brain design. It draws upon our survival instinct. It's safer to mark something as a threat when it isn't than to mark something as safe when it's a threat. We indulge in a state of escape. In that, what often feels like happiness actually isn't. We swap out happiness for distraction, for food, for drink, for sex. Not helped by the feel-good hormones that flood our bodies when our bodies engage in these soothing behaviours. But these just mimic happiness. Once the euphoria fades, the negative thinking returns and the suffering returns. This leaves our happiness equation unresolved. Happiness is all in a thought. But to stay happy regardless of the twists and turns of life, we should aim to reach a higher state, that of joy. People who reach joy are not only accepting of life as it actually is, but are utterly immersed in it. Life doesn't take you by surprise. You're not annoyed by the bumps in the road. They aren't meant to be pleasant, but they are predictable. You pass them calmly with no stress. So true joy is to be in harmony with life exactly as it is. But how do we find true joy? Well, you find it by finding the truth. We do this by remembering what the author calls six grand illusions that keep you in confusion and worsen your suffering. By remembering seven blind spots that delude your judgment of the reality of life and by hanging on to the five ultimate truths. Put all these together and you have a happiness model. So we have to bust the six grand illusions, fix the seven blind spots and hang on to the five ultimate truths for happiness. Okay, so let's start with the six grand illusions. They hide our understanding of the world and cause us confusion and lots of suffering. When we see through an illusion, the weight is lifted and happiness becomes a frequent visitor. The first illusion is that of thought. You are not your thoughts. The voice in your head talking isn't in fact you, and you certainly do not have to obey it. Thoughts are simply presented to you by your brain, like hors d'oeuvres on a platter. You pick one and consume it if you wish, but you can also reject the entire platter. So the inner chatter you hear is your brain talking. It's the brain narrating as it offers you things to think about, but it's not you. Remember, the brain's chief concern is to keep you safe, in the short and the long term. So it offers up suggestions to you that it thinks will keep you safe, by analysing all the things that can go wrong. This function of the brain is deeply ingrained. It was fear that kept our ancestors alive. In the absence of immediate threat nowadays, the brain engages in dialogue and analysis. You must realise that you and not your brain is in control. Your brain produces logic for you to consider. Your brain is working for you, not the other way around. In the modern world, our brains tend to bring unresolved threats back repeatedly in a constant stream of incessant thought, and this causes us to suffer. But we disrupt this cycle by neutralising the negativity, by taking the best actions regardless of the result, you can also practice controlling the voice of the chatter using discipline. Observe the dialogue, observe the thoughts, without judgment and let them go. When you need to, you can observe the emotions associated with a thought and question why you felt the way you did. 
But when we reframe how we see something, we strip any emotion out of it. One can also ask the brain to bring you a better thought. Instead, you can take advantage of the fact that the brain needs a thought to hold on to, so when you remove one, another will fill the vacuum. Filling that space with a positive thought prevents a negative one from getting in. You can also prime your brain to focus on anything you want just by bringing your consciousness to it. So the easiest way to become happy is to just get happy. Remove an unhappy thought and replace it with a positive one. Whenever a painful thought comes up, simply prime your brain to think of something else. Your unconscious brain also can't process a negative thought. So instead of negating something, we must replace it with the opposite concept. Rather than thinking of no suffering, think of happiness instead. A shortcut to happy thoughts when you want to replace a negative thought with a positive one is you focus on your happy lists or carry pictures of your happy thoughts on your phone. The longer and more often you keep your brain focused on the positive, the more difficult it will become for it to shift to the negative. Also ask yourself questions like, what's good about this situation? What do I like about this? you will become a master of finding the good in things. So say to your brain, go get me a happier thought. The second illusion is that of the self. Who are you? You spend most of your life serving you, a persona that doesn't remotely resemble the real you. So no wonder you're never satisfied. The illusion of self has intrigued humankind for eons. We all wear masks. Like Russian dolls, layers of illusions hide the real you. A you that can stand the tests of perception and permanence. A perception where if you can observe an object, then you're not that object you're observing. And permanence, in other words, you are unchanging relative to a quality you associate with yourself. Going back to thought, remember your thoughts aren't you. If you were your thoughts, how could you observe them? And your thoughts don't survive the test of permanence or perception. Your body is the form the world identifies as you. Everything you are is associated with this body. But this body isn't the real you. It's merely a vessel or an avatar. Again, your body fails the permanence and perception tests. Because your body is ever-changing. And if your body is you, then how can you observe it? You are not your body. You are also not your emotions. You are not your beliefs because, say, you adopt new beliefs. Does that mean you become a new you too? You are not your tribe. You are not your achievements and you are not your possessions. You are the observer, the one who sees. The real you is not a physical object. And as an observer, you are seeing, but you can't be seen. Which makes sense if you aren't your physical body. I know it's difficult to understand your true nature. If the real you is something intangible, then how can anything hurt you? To reach a state of joy, you need to accept the fact that everything physical will die, but the real self remains unchanged. Connecting with the real self and looking beyond the illusions of the physical world brings peace and happiness. The author asks, who do we think we are, and introduces the concept of the ego, which is another mask or illusion. 
While we are all born without ego, we acquire an ego when we compare ourselves to others. When we start to understand me, my and mine, as a result, joy suffers as we become swamped by a constant urge to define an ever-evolving identity and satisfy a voracious ego. We start to build an identity, an image of how we want to be seen to be accepted, What's inside, the real you, no longer matters as you become addicted with keeping up with the Joneses and with seeking status and attention. And so we get further and further away from our real selves. Our assumed identities become our whole lives and we lose our real selves as we believe our masks are actually the real us. As a result, our happiness equation malfunctions completely. Our egos can make us suffer. Many people develop a victim complex, which is a darker side of the ego. In order to find our real selves again, we must remove the layers, divest ourselves of the desire to send a message to the world about us, as it serves nothing but the ego. The author tells us shedding these layers frees us. Remember, people often criticise you because they aren't happy with themselves, and yet we alter our behaviour and conceal our true identities to try to gain acceptance from people who don't even accept themselves. So stop seeking others' approval. Focus on accepting you, rather than on trying to get others to accept a mask representing a false version of you. Find those people who like the real you and invite them into your life. Love you for the real you, not the masks or layers you manufacture to placate your ego. Also, remember you aren't the star of the movie. Your movie crosses paths with billions of other movies. Broaden your perspective of your individual movie, and you'll always find the good within the bad, which will only contribute to your happiness equation. The third illusion is knowledge. The author believes we all have become arrogantly obsessed with being right, and this is an illusion of knowledge. But when we are steadfast in our conviction of something, it causes us to suffer. Newton discovered gravity. All of science fell in behind his laws of classical mechanics until Einstein came along and declared that Newton's assumptions about time were in fact wrong. And even Einstein's theories have been proved to be incomplete and have been built upon in the last 60 years. Our access to knowledge has exploded, but how much of it is accurate? The reason we arrogantly believe in our knowledge is that our observation of it validates it. But the truth is, we live with incomplete knowledge every single day. Discovery leads to debate to acceptance and then arrogance, which is inevitably extinguished by new discoveries. Yet we convince ourselves that our knowledge is complete all the time. In fact, we really don't know that much at all. The logic behind our engaging in this illusion of knowledge is this. How could we go on doing what we need to do if we believe it is based on false assumptions? We all need to find logic to justify what we do, but knowledge is not a path to happiness. If we rely on knowledge for happiness, what happens when what we know is proven wrong by an accumulation of more knowledge? We start to suffer. If you examine the thought patterns that cause you to be unhappy, you quickly find they mainly stem from our attachments to illusions and false beliefs. So leave your knowledge open to change and attack. In other words, always be ready to be proven wrong. 
life sometimes gives us a nudge in order to alter our path. It uses a bit of hardship to lead us to something good. And when asked if people would elect to erase a difficult period from their lives, many people will elect to hold on to those toughest of experiences, knowing that if they erase those events, they erase a subsequent trail that brought them to today. When you realise that every seemingly bad event nudged you onto the path of many good events, you will reset your definitions of good and bad, which will allow you to make amends with your happiness equation. Our expectations can sometimes be rushed, and life eventually comes around to work in our favour. No other illusion is as immersive as time itself. The lack of understanding of time causes us again to suffer and to struggle to make sense of the past and the future. And, yes, our happiness suffers as a result. What is time? Well, mechanical time 24 hours a day, 7 days a week is just a human construct. But the nature of time itself is an illusion. We live by our watches, by alarms that punctuate our days. We fret under the pressure of time. It causes us daily stress and we lose happiness as a result. The odd thing about time is its passage feels different depending on the situation you are in. Sometimes people find in accidents that time slows down completely. Other times people become so absorbed in what they are doing that they don't feel the passage of time at all. Yet it's an hour since they started their task. The thing is, time isn't moving. We are the ones moving through time. But the ability to live in the present moment entirely offers us peace. Being subservient to time, focusing on the past and future, causes us to suffer. While all emotions are felt in the present, they have an anchor in the past or the future. But here's the thing, have you ever experienced anything outside of the current moment? No, because it's impossible. Despite the temptation to see the past and future as real, they aren't. The only moment that is real is right now. When you worry about the future, you are imagining a future that may never even happen. Living in the past or future is not living in reality, it's living in your thoughts, and this is an unhappy place. When you tune into the present moment, you accept it as it is, you don't compare it, you don't judge it, and you are 100% in harmony with your happiness equation. Events match your expectations, and you are at peace. Unless you are in physical pain right now, every stressful or unhappy thought exists outside of here and now. While every observation of the here and now helps you experience peace in the now. In short, if you want to be happy, ignore time and live in the present. Monitor your thoughts to see if they are time-stamped. Stay in the present moment instead. Control is also an illusion. Our need for control and security is instinctive, and it's been there historically to keep us alive. But humanity has taken control to a whole new level. We panic, fearing the occurrence of events that endanger us, like plane crashes. But these are extremely rare events. Happiness comes from our ability to navigate reality based on facts, not illusions. Nothing external is under our control, and acknowledging this shouldn't cause us despair. It should lead to acceptance and peace. What is under our control are our actions and our attitude. 
When we focus on practicing committed acceptance, when we focus on doing the best we can in every situation, we aim high in our actions. But crucially, we must remain detached from the outcome. When we learn to do the best we can, without exerting or expecting, we are then in full control. By all means, yes, have a plan, but don't attempt to control beyond the present moment. Attitude here is crucial. When it comes to attitude, the author gives the example of Apollo 13. The astronauts' mission was derailed by an accident. Their moon landing suddenly turned into a survival mission. The astronauts' attitude facilitated their being able to pivot immediately from having one goal to another. Life will deal you a bad hand every so often. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. You may be rerouted, but you lose nothing unless you quit. Use the new events in your favour rather than try to resist them. This way, you experience less suffering and more happiness. If there's nothing you can do to change your current circumstances, then cancel the surrounding environment out of your happiness equation and solve the equation using the rest of your life. Remember, life isn't trying to defeat you. We all get dealt a mixture of cards in our hand. Keep focusing on the bad cards in your hand and you will just end up blaming the game. Instead, use the good cards you have been dealt. Fear is also an illusion. Everyone is afraid of something, but fear is the biggest illusion of them all. The first step in dealing with fear is admitting you are afraid. Look, it's normal to be afraid, but what if there was nothing to fear? Fear comes in different forms. Anxiety, anger, frustration, grief, envy, embarrassment, pessimism. Every negative emotion has traces of fear. Every fear originates from a conditioned response, but fear keeps us from being free. We fear the unknown. We fear change, the loss of control, rejection, aging, and death. And many of us fear finding out who we really are. But our brains exaggerate fear. It uses painful past experiences and every potential scenario about the future to register a threat. It does this to protect you from harm, ironically. Fear equals layers of protection, but fear also becomes a way of life. And as such, we become perpetually unhappy. Facing one's fears is hard, but easier than you think. Incredibly, we become content with suffering and think this is how life is to be. But the first step is to look fear in the eyes and face fear down. What propels us forward is our actions, not our fears. Fears blur our judgment and prevent us from making the best decisions that serve us. Fear is always anchored in the future. Instead, live in the present by experiencing life right now. In fact, you'll find that right now you're actually okay. There's nothing to fear in this exact moment. The fear only materialises when we project ahead in time. When tackling our fear, the author suggests posing the question, what's the worst that can happen? This lays out all the gruesome possibilities we have been fearing and exposes them for the sham they are and the tiny likelihood of them actually ever happening. We can also ask ourselves if there is anything we can do to prevent a feared or undesired scenario from happening. Also, ask yourself, what will happen if I do nothing? And what is the best case scenario? 
sometimes the cost of doing nothing is actually higher than taking affirmative action. Blind spots affect the way our brain processes information and blur our perception of reality. Combined with the brain's tendency to be pessimistic, blind spots interfere with our ability to solve the happiness equation, and we suffer needlessly. Our ancestors assumed the worst because quite often that's exactly what happened, but that was then, this is now. Alas, we have continued to rely on seven blind spots that work against us and make us unhappy. We tend to think negative self-critical thoughts more than positive thoughts. This is how our brains work, to keep us safe. We also underestimate the frequency of positive events that happen in our lives. In fact, negative experiences are stored immediately in our long-term memory, while positive experiences must be held in our awareness for 12 seconds in order for them to be transferred from our short-term memory to our long-term memory. Indeed, most of us tend to be negative most of the time. We criticise, judge and complain more often than not, but we are honestly experiencing positives all the time. We just don't place enough emphasis on these events. The first blind spot is that of filters. The picture we see of the world is always incomplete. What we perceive is mostly filtered. The brain filters out details that are irrelevant, which is a good thing in practice, because otherwise you'd be overloaded with information constantly. Think of when you go to the cinema. Pretty quickly you become unaware of everything around you except the screen. Filters are used to reduce our pain and emotional reactions when what we are facing goes beyond our ability to cope. But when we filter out the truth, the inputs into our happiness equation become distorted and we suffer. The second blind spot is assumptions. The story your brain tells you is always incomplete. The brain uses information to make decisions, but it often makes assumptions which distort the truth. Indeed, we make assumptions all the time. Assumptions are nothing more than a story generated by the brain, and they are not the truth. The third blind spot is predictions. These are assumptions about the future, and the brain does this all the time too. Memories. Memories are often mixed with our current reality to create an augmented view that coloured the past. Memories are in fact nothing more than descriptions of what we think happened. They aren't true. Labels. Our brain judges and labels everything, which helps it speed up its ability to do its job. But labels preempt further analysis, which causes us to miss out on context. Labeling covers up the truth. Emotions. They make us human, but when we blend them with logic, we impair our judgment. Most of our decisions and actions are driven by emotions, and our modern brains keep busy by engaging emotions around imaginary threats, and this keeps us in a state of unhappiness. Exaggeration. The brain's philosophy is that we never can be too careful. Our brains exaggerate perception in order to get our attention in an effort to, yes, keep us safe. When exaggeration is negative in tone, it causes us to suffer. We magnify our fears and amplify our worries. This ruins our happiness. The mismatch between events and expectations in our happiness equation is often due to our feeding our thoughts with wrong information, not a matter of what life is actually presenting us. With filtering, remember that nothing you perceive is ever complete. And so you need to ask yourself, 
if there is something more you should know before you make a decision. Your brain is just a tool. Ask it a question and it will respond. Keep asking yourself, is this true? When challenging the brain, if you suspect you are being subject to filters and illusions. Remember, most of the time, the only thing wrong with our lives is the way we think about them. When we see the world for what it really is, we solve the happiness equation correctly. There are five ultimate truths that you need to know to realise that life always behaves as expected, and these truths will help solve your happiness equation once and for all. None of the twists and turns of life should matter any more because you expect them and you are prepared for them to happen, and you deal with them. You move beyond a state of happiness that is conditional on external events to a permanent state of inner joy. When nothing is ever certain, and nothing ever is, then choose to be happy. Now is the first truth. All life is right here, right now. So why live in your head outside of the present moment? When we are aware of the present and live in the here and now, we are happier, because we aren't distracted by the past or the future. Your default state is to be aware, so apply this awareness to the present moment. Observe your thoughts, your dialogue, and observe your drama. Stay alert all day, looking for the good parts of your day. As soon as you make looking for good things your target, your brain will seek them out more and more. Train yourself to look for when your brain wanders away from this present moment and snap yourself back to the present. And whatever you do, do it well. Do it with the best of your ability. This fosters complete immersion and awareness in actions that you take in the present. The second truth is change is real, and our attempts to exert control over endless change is futile and a source of unhappiness. Our expectations are bound to uncontrollable, unexpected events, and this causes suffering. Let things be as they are and find their own equilibrium. In doing so, we seek the path of least resistance. Change your perspective. Look down and compare yourself to those less fortunate than you. Count your blessings and practice gratitude by inviting more gratitude into your life. Love is also a truth. It's unconditional and it is permanent. Love lives outside the realm of thought. Many relationships suffer because they are built on conditional love. There is no happiness without love. Love should not be a precondition to your happiness. The true joy of love is in the giving of it. The more you give, the more you get back. Ultimately, it's crucial to love oneself. Nothing causes more unhappiness and more suffering than the lack of self-love. We are trained not to love ourselves until we meet certain expectations, because we fail to be good enough. But you must treat yourself as you would a loved child. In the final segment of the book, the author talks about the reality and truth of death and the fact that we can only really live when we accept that death is a part of life. Being resistant to this truth is a huge source of suffering. He also talks about his belief in a higher power, or what he calls a designer, an entity that has designed or created the universe. This part of the book gets pretty deep in terms of philosophy and is quite subjective. And given that people will differ in their own ideas about faith and the afterlife, I leave that part of the book alone. 
Ultimately, though, it must be remembered that the author comes from an engineering background, and thus the idea behind this book is to approach the solution, that is, happiness, by using a mathematical equation. All of the illusions, the blind spots and the truths feed into this equation, which logically makes a lot of sense. And I do like the mathematical analogy. It certainly simplifies the goal of acquiring happiness, if we know the inputs and truths that equate to it, and the illusions and blind spots that cause our happiness equation to end in suffering. Solve for Happy, a really interesting book with a lot of wisdom to share. Let me leave you with one line from the book. When nothing is certain and nothing ever is, then choose to be happy. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of the Happy Habit Podcast. Until next time, stay happy. (music) 